Now, if y'all learn to do that before I get in here, we wouldn't have to do that now. <laughs> learn to mingle and mingle. Meet somebody. Grab your, grab your Bible. Turn with me to Revelation chapter number 3. Revelation chapter number 3. And also, if you don't have a lesson, if you don't have a lesson, we usually try to hand them out for people who disregarded the fact that they were there in the chair. <laughs> raise your hand if you need... Nothing, ain't nobody going to raise their hand now. Raise your hand if you need a lesson. Real quick, real quick. Make sure they get them, Steve. Real quick, Brother Dustin's in the back, right over here in the middle. Anybody on this side need a lesson? I was just teasing about that. I want you to have a lesson now. If you don't have one, please get a lesson. This is a good one. This is a really, really good one. Matter of fact, this is the best church out of all seven. This is, this is the one we want to be like. If there's any that we want to emulate, this is the one. All right? Any, anybody else? Everybody good in the balcony? Everybody got one in the balcony? We all good up there? All right. All right. Revelation chapter number three and verse number seven. We'll start there and read down to verse 13. When you get to your spot, say amen. The Bible says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before, in other words, look, he says. That's what that word means, open your eyes, look. I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, he says, look again, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know what I have, that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, there it is again, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is in New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear. hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your, your mercy, your kindness, and Lord, just for the privilege of being here tonight. I know we could be in a million other places, but Lord, we're here to learn, to grow, uh, uh, to be better for you. Uh, I pray that you'll just teach us now. Take us through your word and Step by step, verse by verse, I pray, God, that you'll encourage us and uh, just edify us tonight. I pray your perfect will be done. And God will thank you for all that you've done, what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So far, <clears throat> so far, it seems like there is a, a complete degradation when it comes in these churches from the the time we started this with the church of Ephesus. We started with a church that had, had faithfulness and they, they didn't put up with sin. They were not uh, dealing with those. They didn't tolerate sin. They didn't tolerate foolishness. Uh, but, but they were lacking in love. They were lacking in, 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 in fire, if you will. They kind of lost that passion, lost that, 
that zeal. They left their first love, and then we, we go to a church that's being persecuted and really struggling, trying to, trying to stay on their feet and trying to accomplish what God had called them to do, and they were really, really suffering under persecution. Then we have a church uh, that, that is, is kind of tolerating sin. They're not, they're not actively involved in it, but they're tolerating it. They're allowing it in, and they're allowing it in their presence. And, and then we move to the next church, and they're not just tolerating it. They're actively participating in it. How many of y'all know you can't flirt with sin? You just, you just can't do it. And then, and then we find the church of Sardis, what we covered last week, is a church that's not just flirting with sin and not just tolerating sin and not, not, not just actively participating in sin. They were being totally controlled by sin. He said this church was dead. It was full of deadness. It was controlled by dead. You who were dead in your trespasses and in sins, and he's in reference to unbelievers uh, being controlling in this particular church. And, and, I mean, it just seems to go from bad to worse, a complete decline in the whole thing. And then right in the middle of this, and the worst out of all of them is Laodicea. And most people, if you have any kind of uh, church background or church knowledge of the, uh, the book of Revelation, you know the Laodicean church is not what you want to be. It's the lukewarm church. It's the nauseating church. It's the, it's the church that makes God sick. And, and it's the worst out of all of them, but right in the middle. Right in the middle of this decline, right in the middle of each church going from bad to worse, and, and we know that Laodicea is the worst, but right before we get there, here we find the letter to Philadelphia. And the letter to Philadelphia stands out above, high and above all the rest of them and its content and, and, and how the Lord feels about this church, and we'll, we'll see that in this letter. And, uh, and I, I, want you to, I want you to just, if, if you can, if you can, Listen really good so we can emulate the church of Philadelphia. Now, I, I, I want to I go back and kind of rehearse a little bit of information for you, if I can, uh, so that you understand. We know that these seven churches represent practical problems that they were having in them specific churches. If you remember that, say amen. amen. And they also represent problems that the church in general, uh, down through the ages, have had. And not only that... It, as we see all these problems, churches today can still and do have these same problems. How many of y'all know there's churches in America that have lost their passion? Okay. How many of y'all believe there's churches that's dabbling in sin and tolerating sin? How many of y'all know there's churches that are dead? You see, all of these issues and all of these things down through the ages and right now, these things are going on. But with that, there are churches that have a Philadelphian spirit, a Philadelphian characteristic. There are churches, even, even though we are in the Laodicean church age, we're in the lukewarm church age, we don't have to be that way. We can be a Philadelphia church in a Laodicean age. Somebody say amen. And so that's what we want to be. That's what we want to do. So let's, we're going to jump right in here. I, 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 didn't, I didn't put down the, the historical backgrounds or the uh, 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 the geographical backgrounds and all of that because I wanted to get into the meat of the letter. So uh, just trust me, Philadelphia is the, is the sixth one. Say amen. amen. And you can go look that up on your own, get Wikipedia and punch it in and it'll give you everything you want to know. Let's talk about the letter tonight. Let's talk about the letter tonight. The address, the, the, the penman of the letter, uh, we always start with that. How does he address this, this crowd and, 
How does he let them know who he is? And we all know, we all know, all, all, all six times so far, he has taken, he has taken a, a part of the vision that he gave in chapter number one to describe himself, to show who he is for the people and what they... Now, why did he do that? Because whatever they needed, that's who he... Came in, right? Whatever they needed, that's who he... He is. He is. He ain't was or going to be. He That's why he said, I am that I am. Not I was that I was or I'm going to be that I'm going to be. I am. He's ever present. Somebody say amen. Whatever you need, he is. Whatever, whatever is lacking in your life, he is. And so, this one's different though. This one's different. This is different in some of the content, but it's also different in the address. So let's, let's jump right in and find out what's different. Look in verse number, verse number 7. <clears throat> when you get there, say amen. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy. Say that with me. He that is holy. He that is true he that is he that hath the key of david he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth those are not there those are not there they're they're not in now we know we see the key uh, the keys of hell and of death but but this description is not there now here's what we have to do here's what we have to do we have to jump ahead a little bit i, I usually like to go as the verses come but we need to jump ahead a little bit and give you a little, a little historical background, and then we'll come back to this. If, if that sounds all right, say amen. Okay, now look in verse number, look in verse number nine. Look in verse number nine. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan. Which now basically, if you want to, a synagogue was basically a Jewish church. That's where they would have different synagogues in different cities where the Jews would come together and practice Judaism, okay? Practice their, their Jewish religion, okay? If you're with me, say amen. Does everybody understand that? That's what that is. Well, he's calling it the synagogue of Satan. Now, why in the world would he call it that? Now, we've done heard that phrase before. You know, in a letter previously, we, we, we heard that same statement, that same phrase. Now, watch what he says here. In verse 9, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are... And are, but do, you know what that is? Fake Jews. Some of you got that. Not fake news. Fake Jews. Now, you, you mean, preacher, they're, they're really not, uh, they really don't have any Jewish bloodline? Nope, they had that. They had that. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your Bibles, take your Bibles with me. And turn to Romans chapter number 2. Romans chapter number 2. And let's figure out what is he talking about. Yes, they were in Jewish lineage. They were it, it, technically, technically they were of the sons of Abraham, if you will. So they were Jews, not Gentiles. But why did he say that say they are Jews and are not? Why did he say they were not really Jews? Look in Romans chapter number 2. In verse 28, last two verses. Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 2 and verse 28. All right? 
This is, this, is, this is Paul explaining to the Romans. Basically, the whole first couple chapters of Romans is Paul explaining to the Jewish people that you need Jesus too, that you need a Savior too, that just because you're a Jew, that doesn't make you immune to sin. You have to have a Savior. You are guilty too. Amen? Now watch what he says. Watch what he says. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. In other words, the bloodline, the flesh, the physical Jew. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of Now, what does that mean? It means this. It means they, it was a real Jewish synagogue. It was real Jewish people, but they were not believers in Christ. They were not believers in the Son of God. They did not have the same faith that Abraham, their father, had. They may have had Abraham's blood, but they didn't have Abraham's belief or his faith, if you will. Are you all with me? Because Jesus told them, he said, you can say you're of your father Abraham all you want to, but if you was truly, if you're spiritually speaking, of his faith and his belief, you would accept me for who I am. You would accept me as the son of God. And, and, and what, what he's saying here in Revelation, they had a Jewish synagogue. They was practicing Judaism, and they were also persecuting the church there at Philadelphia. They were having a hard time with them. He said, let me tell you what, they say they're Jews, but they really aren't. They really don't have genuine faith and belief of Abraham in the real God of Abraham. They are fake Jews. And I'm going to deal with them. I'm going to deal with them. Now, why would you skip ahead, preacher? Because you had to understand that their main persecutors or the main problems that they were having was coming from this synagogue. Now, if you study the book of Acts and you study throughout the New Testament, you'll find out that as Paul, he left Jerusalem, right? And he would go to one city and he'd go to another city and he'd go to another city. And every time he'd go to a city, he would start a church in that city and he would proclaim the gospel of Christ. And then you would have what was called Judaizers. These were people who claimed to be Christians, but they wanted to tag the law in with it. In other words, if you, could, you had to believe in Christ, but you had to be circumcised too. You had to mix law and grace. You had to mix the law of Moses. You had to believe in Jesus, but you had to also follow the law. Or, or you had to believe in Jesus, and you had to physically become a Jew. That's what they were called Judaizers. And Paul told him, you're mixing law and grace. It's for by grace are you saved, not of works, not a Jewish work, not a Jewish ceremony. By grace are you saved through faith. faith. And they didn't have faith. They didn't have the belief of Abraham. Listen, they were not real spiritually. They were not an inward. They were unbelievers. Now, if that makes sense, say amen. That was their main obstacles. That was their main persecutors. The biggest problems they had. Now, if you'll remember some of the other letters, the biggest problems they had were coming from pagan temples, right? The pagan gods and the pagan, the people following the pagan temples, that was their biggest problems, but not so with the Church of Philadelphia. Their biggest problems was coming from Jews from that particular synagogue. So, why is that such a big deal? You'll see. Look in the letter. Look in the letter. Let's go back to Revelation now. Go back to Revelation. Watch how, watch how, now, now, 
what is their biggest problem? Coming from what? Say it again. Fake Jews. Fake. Say that word again. Fake. Just say fake. Everybody say it. Fake. Fake. Watch how Jesus introduces himself. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is, he that hath the key of, now watch, three things, three things. And all three of them have an Old Testament flair, an Old Testament feel to them. Uh, he said, he that is holy. The only thing that could be called holy in the Old Testament was God. He's the only one who had that title. He was the only one that could be called that. I put a couple verses in your notes right here. Psalm 71, 22. I will also praise thee with a psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with a harp, O thou holy one of Israel. Psalm 78, 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the holy one of Israel. So who is the holy one of Israel? God, right? Isaiah 6, 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What was Jesus doing? He was letting this church know he is God. Write the word deity there. Write the word deity. He is God. And he's coming from an Old Testament feel and an Old Testament flair, if you will. Why? Their biggest problems was Jews. The whole Old Testament is about the story of God's people, the Jews. And they followed the Holy One. They praised the Holy One. They worshiped the Holy One. What is Jesus saying? I am the Holy One. I am the Holy One. I am the Holy One. Not, not, just, not just the Holy One, but watch what it, I like this. I like this next part. He said, he said this. He said, these things saith he that is holy. Now next, he that is true. Write this word. First we have deity. Then we have be authentic, genuine, real. That's what that word means. Authentic, genuine, Real. How do you fight that which is fake? That which is true. Or that which is real. That which is real. Listen. Fake. How do you, how do you, you can tell, you can tell, listen, you can tell even, how do you, how do you, how do you prove something that's real? Watch this. It's alive. It's alive. It's living. It's living. He said, he said, I know you're having problems with Jews, fake Jews. People, and, and when we use that term, he's saying people that are supposed to be God's people. But they've rejected God's son. People that have the scriptures. People that have the, the, the history. People that had the prophets. People that had all of the benefits and the blessings of, of the presence of God. The power of God. The word of God. But yet they're unbelievers. But let me tell you something. The one that's holy. 
and the one that's, come on, the one that's true, authentic, genuine. What's he saying? I am the real deal. You've been fighting and you've been struggling with fake Jews, but I want you to know I'm the real deal. Look what it says. John 14, 4. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 1, 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 17. For the law was given by Moses. That was, that's where they were trying to hang. That's what they were trying to force on this church in, in uh, Philadelphia. But he said, but grace and came by who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So the penman is, is, is holy, which reflects his deity. He's true, which tells us he's authentic. He's genuine. He's real. But then he says he's got the key of David. This, is, this represents messianic authority. And I'll explain that. As soon as you write it down, look up at me. Messianic authority. What does that mean? Everybody knows what the Messiah is. The Messiah was the Savior, the promised hero that God had promised from the very beginning of time with, with uh, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Uh, uh, and all the way down through the prophets, there's going to be a Messiah come. I know you're, you need to be redeemed. You're, you're slaves to sin right now. You're under condemnation right now, but I'm going to send a hero. I'm going to send a Messiah, a Savior. Well, that was a promise that was also given to David, to David. I'm going to read these verses. This was the promise given to David that out of your line, out of your loins, if you will, a son is going to come who's going to rule forever, and that's talking about Christ. In other words, God promised David that the Messiah would come to his family line. If that makes sense, say amen. Look in 1 Chronicles 17, 11. <clears throat> 1 Chronicles 17, 11. And it shall come to pass that when the, thy days be expired, he's telling David, when you die, when thy days be expired, that thou must go to be with thy fathers, that I will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. Now we know he's not talking about Solomon, because Solomon lost his throne. He died. And then Solomon's son, and the, and the kingdom split, and, and now there's no longer a king in Israel. Are y'all with me? He's not talking about any of them. He's talking about his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who come as the seed of David. Are y'all with me? The son of David, the root and the offspring. Amen. Now, watch what he says. I will be his father. He shall be my son. I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him that was before thee. Talking about Saul. But I will settle him in mine house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forevermore. Now, what does that mean? Listen, God is not finished with Israel. God is not finished with Israel. There is going to be a real kingdom. In other words, the Jewish nation is going to rise and they are going to rule this whole planet. And they're going to be ruled by King Jesus. For a thousand years, there's going to be a millennial reign here on this earth. A real kingdom, a real rule. Jesus is going to be in charge. He's going to be the boss. He's going to be the king of the earth. It's coming one day. It's promised. That's the Davidic covenant given to King David. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now watch. Now watch what Jesus says. <clears throat> now watch what Jesus says. 
It says in Revelation 5, 5. We, we see in, in, in this, is a, we, uh, I can't wait to get to it, but we're going to see he is in heaven. He's looking, uh, uh, John is looking. He's seeing a vision of what's going on in glory. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Revelation twenty two sixteen. Revelation twenty two sixteen. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. In other words, I was before David got here, and I came from the loins of David. Somebody say amen. I will say amen. And the bride and morning star. Listen, he has the key. This is the, 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 the messianic key. He, and I'm going to explain it in just a second, all right? I've got to give you this next point because it ties, in, it ties in with that point, all right? Now, now watch what he says. Watch, what, what do you have? What do you have when you got the key? You have access. You have access, all right? Uh, there are times people won't know if I have keys to stuff. I said, no. They said, why don't you have keys? I said, then you might want me to open something. You can call one of them other staff members, amen? Listen, a key represents access. You have access to whatever you have the key to, right? Now write this down. D, D. He says, what, what is he doing with that key? Opening what no man can shut and shutting what no man can open. We see he had, the key represents messianic authority. And D, it represents control of access. Control of access. Write that down and let's read Isaiah 22. Isaiah 22. All right, it says this. And this, and this kind of explains it. This kind of explains it. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle, and I will commit thy government into his hands. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David, the house of David represents the kingship, the royal house. The ro Are y'all with me? The, the kingly line. The key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so he, sha so he shall, and none shall, and he shall, and none shall. Now flip your notes, flip your notes. Watch this, watch this. Man, we're going so fast, we're going to get done early. Say amen. Watch this. Let's, let's describe it. Let's, let's explain that. A key in Scripture represents authority. It's the person in charge. It's the person representing authority to whatever the key is to. Whoever holds a key has, all right, here in Isaiah 22, 22, it refers to Eliakim. He was the steward or the prime minister to Israel's king. Because of his office, he controlled access to the king as a holder to the key of David. Oh, man. Say amen. Do you understand what I just read? Amen. The prime minister, in other words, the king is on his throne. And the prime minister has the key and the authority and the ability to give power and access to the king. Now, you have to have the key to get to the king. And the one with the key is the one that's going to allow you to see the king. Are y'all with me? Now watch what this means. With the key of David, 
the messianic authority and power. Jesus alone has the authority to determine who enters his messianic kingdom. That means that thousand year reign here on this earth. When Jesus comes back and he sets foot back on this earth on the Mount of Olives and he's going to walk across the Kidron Valley, he's going to go through the Eastern Gate and he's going to sit on the throne of his father David and he's going to rule this earth with a rod of iron. That's when the lamb shall lay down by the lion. That, that, that part, y'all remember that part of the Bible? When that takes place, he has the authority, he has the power, he has the control because he has the king of the key of David. The key of David. He's the one. He's the promised one, the Messiah. Now, watch this. It reveals, it reveals he's going to control who can come into that kingdom. Revelation 1.18. We, we've done read that one in chapter 1. It reveals that Jesus has the keys to death and hell. But here he is seen as having the key to salvation and blessing. What does that mean? The devil's not in charge of hell. Jesus is. And nobody else is in charge of heaven but Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm the one that's going to give access. I'm the one that's going to give the ability to get in. And this is what, what did he say? No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What did he tell? What did he tell old Thomas there in John 14? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Because he's got the key. He controls access. He controls access. But see, there, there's, there's, this is a two, two-edged sword. I mean, he's got the keys to hell and the keys to heaven. Now, you can either see him with the keys to heaven or you can see him with the keys to hell. The choice is yours. Because he's either going to usher you into heaven or he's going to throw you into hell. That's right. Now, y'all shouldn't look all shocked and sad because you're supposed to be saved. Now, if you're not saved... You don't want to know what key you're getting. But I tell you this, we can help you with that. We can help you with that. That ain't no problem whatsoever. Somebody say amen. But what is, it, what is he saying? I'm in charge. I'm in control. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know what this, this synagogue was doing to try to persecute this church. I don't, know, I don't know how they were coming against them, but the Lord Jesus Christ wanted that little small congregation to understand and know that that crowd ain't the boss and that crowd ain't the one with the access. I'm the one in charge and I'm the one in control. I don't know about you, but there's times the Holy Spirit needs to remind me of that. Sometimes the devil will creep up on my back and he'll tell me this is going to happen and that's going to happen and this is going to fail and that's going to fail and this ain't going to go right and that ain't going to go right and God's done forgot about me and I'm not important enough to God for God to care about me and I just need the Lord to remind me the devil is a lie and he's got the key. Are y'all with me? Listen, that's just point one. <clears throat> Point two. Good thing we only got three tonight, amen? That was the, that's, that's who's writing this letter. That's who's writing this letter. Now, watch what he says. Watch what he says. Verse number eight. 
Oh, yeah, we're still doing good. <clears throat> I know thy works. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. <clears throat> I want you to see, I want you to see the praise. Out of all the churches, he, he pretty much had something negative to say about one of them. Not really the church of uh, Smyrna, the persecuted church, too much. But every one of them had an issue. Even the church at Ephesus that was really solid and, 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 and really intolerable to sin and was working hard and laboring. And he said, yeah, but I have somewhat against you. You left your first love. I mean, he's got something negative to say about all of them because all of them had issues and all of them had problems. Now, I want to say this before I go any further. There is no such thing as a perfect church. I'm going to leave this one. I'm going to go to one that don't have problems. Well, you, you just mess it up. If you do happen to find one without problems, the day you join, you ruined their record. You know how I know that? Because churches are just made up of people. They're just made up of people. The best people in the Bible made Terrible choices and decisions. The best people can be is just people. And we're made out of dirt. How good can we be? There's no perfect church. There's no church without issues. There's no church without problems. There's no such thing. But this one here is as close as you can come. Because the one that's true, the one that's authentic, the one that's real... The one, the one who can see through everything and the one who knows every thought, he has no rebuke for this church. No condemnation, no rebuke, no, no criticism. He, 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 he says nothing, no warning. He just says, man, I know what you're doing. I know, I know how, how you're working. No rebuke, no warning, no condemnation. That's what we need. The Marchman Quartet, if you don't like mountain gospel, and they, 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 they swear they're not bluegrass, they're mountain gospel. They're from Dahlonega, Georgia, in the North Georgia mountains, and, and they say there's a difference between mountain gospel and Bluegrass, whatever that is, I like it all, but either way, they, 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 sing, they sing a song that says, if, 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 I can, if I can win only one and be a hindrance to none. Now think about that statement. If I can win only one and be a hindrance to none. He said, I'd be tickled to death. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, man, to be able to have the Lord say, I don't have no problems with y'all. I don't, ha I don't have no issues that I need to bring up. Keep up the good work. Now that's a praise. Say amen. amen. Now watch, watch what else. Watch what else we see here. 
He says something about their strength. He says something about their strength. Write this down. Not only was there no rebuke, no warning, no condemnation in this praise, but he praises them because they were effective regardless of their size. Now this encouraged me. They were effective regardless of their size. Look what he says in verse number 8. Thou hast a little. Come on, everybody. Thou hast a little strength. Thou hast a little strength. Now, this was not a negative comment of their feebleness, but a commendation of their strength. Because you see that the Philadelphian church was small in numbers, but it had a powerful impact on the city. Most of its members were probably most likely really poor, maybe of the lower class of society, but even with this apparent limitations, they were very successful with the gospel. In other words, they didn't have all the resources of the, the more populated churches. They didn't have all of the abilities and all of the things that the churches in the other cities had. He said, you were little in strength, not, not necessarily in their physical prowess or, or, or their spiritual ability and spiritual power, but in their physical numbers themselves. You were a small congregation, but yet you accomplished big things. Let me say that again. You were a small congregation, but you accomplished great, big things. He's praising them for this. What did they know? What did they know? Well, they, they, they must have known a little bit of what Paul said. He said in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress, was that because Paul was a weird psycho and he just liked pain? No, he understood something. He understood that in his weakness, for Christ's sake, when he was weak, then is he strong, strong. Listen, 1 Corinthians says this, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 26, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And base things, the simple things, the lower things of the world. And things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things which are that no flesh should glory in his presence. What is he saying? Even though you're small, you're big. Even though you're small in numbers, you were very effective because it was the hand of God not doing it. It was the hand of God doing it, not the hand of men. Now, now as a church, as a church, temple is the prime example of what I just read. Now, some of y'all hadn't been here the whole time. And I'm going I'm to I'm let you slide because of that, but I've been here the whole time. I was here when we had to cut everything. I was here when, when, I, I, when I, 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 I'd, I'd bite my fingernails to the quick all the way home praying, oh, God, help us pay the bills this week. Lord, help us pay the bills this week. Send a miracle. We need a miracle. I was here in the gravel. I was here when we didn't have anything. That's why when I come into the parking lot and there's real flowers in the parking lot and real concrete in the parking lot, tears drip off of my face because I've seen the hand of God over the years and what he did with people that were not rich, people that didn't have great power. We didn't have great momentum. We just had God. And people are like, whoa, what are y'all doing over there? What are y'all doing over there? I don't know. 
And if they can tell you, it's not God. All I know is God loves this place and God is saving people in this place. There's no rich people around here. Not that I know of. If they are, you ain't showed yourself yet. Right? They were small. They were poor. In the eyes of men, they were insignificant. But God was so tickled with them and proud of them because they knew the weaker they were, the stronger God could be in them. God does not pick the smart people. God does not pick the strong people. God does not pick the people that people pick. God picks the ones who will give all the glory to Him and know it's not their strength and not their power, not their intellect, but it's all God. Why do you think he picked David instead of Saul? Saul was a head taller than everybody in Israel. No, sir. He picked a little old young man. that did, He was just a whippersnapper. And, I, and matter of fact, it insulted Goliath. And you know what David said? He said, let me tell you why God's doing this. Because you're going to know, and the Philistines are going to know, and all them scared Jews are going to know that there is a God in Israel. Not, 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 not no great fighter. There's a God. The hand of God put the bear and the lion, and he's going to put this giant in the same place. There's one thing I know. I'm telling you, if we ever lose the power of God or the hand of God in this place, this place is going to go down the tubes. We better never throw our thumbs in our lapel and think we know we did this or we did that. Look at this. Look at that. No, we need to point straight up and say, thank God for him. That's right. Now let me put this on an individual basis. That says a church. That says a church. This is the house that God built. Not some personality. I didn't build this church. I hear that stuff and it makes me sick. Well, so and so, look at the church he built. I know me. If I built it, it wouldn't look like this. I stand amazed all the time. All the time at what? Y'all going to think I'm the hillbilly redneck. I can remember when we got real bathroom stalls. Man, I went right on in there and used the bathrooms. Hey, man, uptown. Not plywood. I mean the real ones. If you can't appreciate that, you don't even know what I'm saying. Man, it wasn't how many months we were walking through gravel. I remember days in the little church when we had two different, three different colored chairs and, and three different kinds of wooden pews that we borrowed from people that were older and had cracks in them, if you know what I mean. If sister so-and-so on one end got excited and moved a certain way, you would get in the spirit on this side. People were standing and shouting. It wasn't Jesus. 
can see that. I can, I can see. I can see what God's done. I remember when we got the, the carpet. I'm, anyway, I'm just going to roll. <clears throat> I remember when we went to Rome, Georgia, and got the carpet and ordered the carpet, and we were so excited. And we got on this side of the building, we rolled the carpet out, and the further we got, the thinner the carpet got. It was messed up. I mean, it come from, come from the mill, totally messed up. We were so broke. Steve, you remember? You was down there. Where, where's Donnie Lawrence? Donnie Lawrence remembers this. And we, here we are. And they said, we're calling the factory, calling the factory. I said, call them. I mean, we're broke. What'd they say? They said, well, we can roll it back up and send it back, and they'll send us some more and take a few weeks, or they'll just give it to us. I said, we got free carpet. <laughs> we left it just like that. We had three different color chairs, three different kind of pews. What difference does it make? We didn't have to pay for it. Say amen. God answered prayer. You're supposed to be looking at me anyway. Right? But guess what? Guess what? I remember going back to Bible college. <clears throat> that was like the coolest thing in the world. When I was in school, they'd have the alumni come back all the time and preach. That was like, man, I can't wait to get out of school so I can come back and preach. That was just like, you know. And I remember the first time I come back. I preached just a hard, I mean like just a wild Indian. I know that's not politically correct, but that's what I'm telling. That's how I did it. I look like Geronimo all over the place. Foam just going at preaching hard as I could. Man, I was having the time. The president of the college comes up. I appreciate his comment, but it was not what I was expecting. He come up and he had this far away look in his eye. And this is what he said. I can't believe it. Because <laughs> he was constantly telling me to shh in class. Mr. Carter? Yes, sir. He said, I can't believe it. I wasn't supposed to do that. Man, I had guys in, in school, I'm, they read their Bible on purpose. I'm telling you, I'm not, I don't know what y'all think I am, but I'm just, I'm barely saved much. I'm, I, it's God's wonder I'm a preacher. And I mean, these guys could outline the Bible and they were in their devotions. Man, I was just trying to go to work that morning. Just trying to make it, doing my best, begging God to help me. Oh, Lord. And these guys, man, it was like they would, they would come out of the closet and glory all over them. They'd make, and none of them are pastoring today. None of them. Except that goober, redneck that wouldn't shut up in class. What am I trying to say? If I can do this, can you imagine what God will do with you if you let him? Amen. 
not in a million, hundred, thousand, bazillion years did I ever imagine all of this. I really didn't. But you know what? If you will be willing to give God glory in your life, it will blow your mind. Preacher, I'm of little strength. So were they, but they accomplished more than all seven churches. And I'll prove what I'm, I'll prove what I'm saying. Watch this. Look, what, look there's, there's, there's three more things, and then I, I want to hunker down on that last one. And then I'll just say the other ones. Watch what he, he's praising them. He doesn't give them any rebuke, any warning, any condemnation like he did the rest of them. He's praising their effectiveness regardless of their size. They understood the powers coming from God, not their ability or intellect. But then watch what he says. He says in verse number 8, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength and hast kept my Put this down. They, we see obedience. Obedience. <clears throat> you say, were they genuine? Oh, yeah. So how do you know? Because the Bible says, John 14, 21, he that hath my commandments, he that hath my commandments and, say it with me, and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will. Yes. We're going to come back to that. But I got to hurry. Let me give you the other, and we'll come back to that. We see obedience, effectiveness regardless of their size. But then look, look what he says in, and has not, verse 8, last sentence, verse 8, and has not denied my name. We see loyalty. We see loyalty. They endured. How can you tell a genuine Christian? They persevere. Well, I tell you what, so-and-so was a Christian, but they're not here no more. Then they wasn't a genuine Christian. John says it well. He says if they, they would still be here if they were. But them not being here proves that they were never of us to begin with. A true saint of God, a real saint of God, God gives the power to persevere. You mean to tell me some people, a real Christian can't backslide? Oh, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. They can backslide. They can get real ignorant. David has proof of that. But it's, it, David has also proved you can't stay that way. Because David got chastised and, and got his attention got till he come back to God. How about Jonah? Jonah couldn't stay in that backslidden state. Why? God chasing him. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Now watch. They were loyal. They didn't deny him. They stayed faithful. They, pers they persevered. Mark 4, 17. And have no root in themselves. And so endure. But this is, this is talking about people that were not genuine. In Mark, you remember the sower and the seed? Y'all remember that? They have no root in themselves. They, 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 they propped up and, and they flowered and said, oh, they look like a real Christian. But he said they, they did not endure. But for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. In other words, they die and willed out because they had no root. Had no root. What does a real Christian do? 2 Timothy 2, 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What is Paul telling Timothy a good Christian will do? Endure. They'll persevere. They will tough it out. They will stick with it. They will trust God. Say amen. Now here's what I wanted to get to. I want you to write this down. E, I want you to see the word opportunity. 
I want you to see opportunity. The reason we have E is because of B, C, and D. Let me say that again. The reason we have E, which is opportunity, is because of B, C, and D. B, C, and D. Now let me show you what I mean. Watch what he says in verse number, in verse number 8. I know thy works. Behold. Was it, what did I say that word behold meant? Look. Look. See. <laughs> Open up. Look. 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 Pay attention. Pay attention. That's what it means. I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. What is that? Opportunity. Let me give you a couple verses. <clears throat> because of their faithfulness, Christ gave the Philadelphian church special opportunities for service. Uh, Paul describes this in 1 Corinthians 16, 8, and 9. He says, but I will tarry at Ephesus. If you all remember, they had, they had kind of like Olympic games at Ephesus. He was going to leave, but he decided to stay because the games were coming. There was going to be a huge, huge, huge crowd of people. He said, man, ain't nothing like fishing in a stock pond. Right? And because of all these people coming, watch what he calls that. For a great, come on, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. What's he saying? Man, I have a great opportunity. And you know what? You know what God is telling the church of Philadelphia? Because of your faithfulness, because of your perseverance, because of what you have done, sticking with it, I'm going to give you a great opportunity. I'm going to open a door unto you, a door of opportunity, and you're going to see great things in this church because even though you were small, you were faithful in the little, and I'm going to give you much. Say amen. Because of that. Preacher, I don't have much. Stick with it, honey. Stay faithful. Keep preaching. Keep teaching. I remember one of the most embarrassing times of my whole ministry. On a Wednesday night, one of our supporting missionaries we support showed up. We had three people there, including me. You talk about embarrassing? I wanted to burn my ordination papers. I wanted to throw it all in the towel. I was, so, I was humiliated. Did this guy seize this? But just keep preaching. Keep singing. Keep winning. Keep working. Keep serving. It may be little now, but honey, God's got a plan. God will open a door of opportunity. My soul has God not opened a door to us. Are y'all with me? Look at this. <clears throat> I love this. Who is their enemy? Hurry, I only got four minutes. What was it? Fake Jews. Come on, say it with me. Now watch. Watch. <laughs> Verse 9. <clears throat> Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not. What are they? Fake Jews. They lie. They're unbelievers. They don't believe in the Messiah the one that was promised and sent, behold, watch this, watch this now. You're talking about an opportunity. You're talking about an open door. Behold, I will make them. Who's the them? Fake Jews, the persecutors, the obstacles, the one giving them all the grief. I will make them to come and before thy and to know what I, that I have 
Now we know they are not worshiping the church of Philadelphia because nobody gets worship but God. So he's not saying, I'm going to make them come bow down and worship you. That's not what he's saying. They're going to come and worship, but they're going to worship the God of heaven. They're going to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. What's he saying? All them people that are giving you such a headache, I'm going to save them. You don't see that in the rest of them letters. He said, they're going to come and worship before. Do you realize there's some turkey that's watching us on Facebook that's been giving dirty faces on Facebook on our comment section? It aggravated me at first. I ain't going to lie. I didn't know about this till last week, but it's been happening for weeks and weeks, and they'll, they'll block just foolishness. But I got to thinking, if we're not making people mad in this world, we're not doing our job. But you know what God may do? He may get that same one and save him. Man, I want all of our critics. I want all of the Bible deniers. I want all of those that do not truly believe in Christ and they're atheists and they're agnostics. I want them all to bow down and worship the same God that we worship. Now they're going to, but I'd rather them do it on this side of eternity. The Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. But I hope they do it on this side so they can do it in joy on that side. But he says because of your faithfulness, because of your steadfastness, because of your loyalty, I'm going to open the door and I'm going to save them that's been persecuting you. That brings a whole nother thinking to God will make even uh, our enemies to be at peace with us. Amen? A minute and 30 seconds. Hurry up. We got, we, we're going to get done early. Hurry. The promise, the promise, the promise. Three things he promised. Victory, verse 9. Victory, that's what we just read. You're going to win over your persecutors. Then deliverance, verse 10. He said, I'm going to keep you from the hour of temptation. That's the tribulation period, by the way, guys. That's, 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 that's one of the first evidences we see in Revelation that, that the church is going to be raptured out. Thank God. Deliverance, verse 10. And then honor, verse 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is in Jerusalem which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He's going to bestow honor upon us. How many of y'all have been in, in churches or buildings where you see a maybe, maybe uh, stained glass windows in the name of somebody? You know, it's whoever paid for that glass or whatever. I've seen it on, on, on uh, church pews and stuff like that. Uh, uh, you know, they donated, maybe bought that pew. I don't know, but, but either way. Uh, and no, we ain't doing that around here. Don't even ask. <laughs> but but in that day, in in temples or synagogues and, and or, or places that they would engrave names, you know, in honor on the pillars and the post, and and basically what he's saying, he says, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to give you a name. You're going to be established in the kingdom. You're going to be established in the heavenly city, the New Jerusalem. How many of y'all are glad we have citizenship in New Jerusalem? Amen. The city of God. Amen. City of God. All right. Okay, we didn't make it. <clears throat> but we, it's only 30 seconds, all right? 
Well, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Hey, never ever think you're too insignificant to do something great for God. If you think you're insignificant, you're a great candidate. When you think you're a great candidate, you're insignificant. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Let me say this. Because you might be in here and kind of snooty and proud and think something of yourself. <laughs> Moses, Moses tried to deliver the nation of Israel when he was powerful. When he was stepson to Pharaoh and he had all the education. He had all the, the Bible said, everybody said, oh, he had a stuttering problem. He had a stuttering problem. Not, not, till, not till God got through with him. Because the Bible says he was a man mighty in word and deed. And he killed that Egyptian. Y'all remember? Y'all know what happened. Make a long story short, he got run out. Because he was telling God, I know what my destiny is. I know what my job is. I got this. And he, he didn't have it. And then he spent an extended period of time out in the wilderness. And you know what? You know what? They say that when you spent an extended period of time away from human interaction you lose the ability to communicate. God took away from him what he was most proud of. What was the source of his significance? He was a man mighty in word and deed. God stripped him. When he killed that Egyptian, he was telling God, I can. And God said, you can't. I, I, got, I got to work on you, son. And he put him out in the backside of the desert. And then he saw that burning bush. And he come and God said, I got something for you to do. And you know what he said? I can't. <laughs> and you know what God said? Now you can. An old man of God was sitting on the front row. A little young preacher beside him. He was so excited. We get that way. We can't help it. We, anytime we get a chance to preach or teach, we just, you know, so excited about it. Boy, he's just raring to go, fired up, wide open. And he called his name, and the young preacher shot up out of his chair, run up on that platform, and just done the best he can. But God, it was awful. <laughs> he struggled for his words. He just couldn't make it happen. And then he dropped his old head, went back down, and sat beside the old man of God. And he said, man, I, I don't know what happened. He said, I... I, I, I I was prepared. I had an awesome outline. He said, I just don't know what happened. He said, son, he said, the next time, if you will go up like you came down, you will come down like you went up. <laughs> Let's know it was God, and it's all God. When I am weak, he is strong. And all God's people say it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your